0: This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. All right, so we survived the polar vortex. Hopefully you did as well. We always joke about how we can cram all four seasons of weather into one week here in Tennessee, and we have definitely been proving that correct lately. So we had the big polar vortex last week. Wasn't too bad here. I know places up north definitely had a much tougher time of it. But here we got down into the 20s. It was definitely cold, definitely chilly. Got a little bit of snow, and it was cold enough that that stuck around for a few days, at least here at the farm. But it really wasn't that big of a deal. And now today it is in the 70s. So just goes to show Tennessee, we like to outdo ourselves when it comes to the weather here in terms of variety. But I am not complaining because I am so glad to just be past the two months of just solid rain that we had uh, back in December and January. So excited that spring seems to actually be on the horizon. No idea how much winter we'll have between now and then, but at least we have some sunshine coming out here, which is a really nice change of pace for once. Speaking of spring, it's already that time of year when I have to start thinking about the farm and garden, and all the things that I need to start getting planted soon. All of my vegetable seed orders have arrived, and I'm working on my seed order for the medicinal herb side of things here at the farm, getting that submitted by the end of this week, and starting to kind of map out where things are going to go here. It's my first growing season on this land, and there's so much land, the abundance is actually a little bit overwhelming because prior to this I was growing on, you know, 0.2 acres and now I'm looking at close to 13 acres of land and there are so many possibilities. It seems pretty infinite at this point considering I will be the sole employee for the farm this year and I'm trying really hard to resist the urge to bite off more than I can chew because that is definitely a tendency that I admit that I have and I'm trying to be a bit more practical this go around with things and make sure I don't set myself up for failure here. I'm also trying to be realistic in my expectations for this growing season in general, not only because it's my first season growing here on this property, but also because of what that means for the soil quality here as well. It has been, you know, just grass for I don't even know how long, and it's very clay heavy, It definitely holds a lot of moisture, and I'm going to have to do a lot of work to add organic matter to the soil and build that soil up. And obviously that's a long-term process that can take years uh, to get to where you want it to be. And so I'm trying to remind myself of that and start small and move forward from there in a good way. So in just a week or two here, it'll be time to start some seeds, at least indoors here. And I'm actually struggling a little bit with figuring out where that is going to happen because our house doesn't have any south-facing windows. And my original plan was to do the seed starting in an office shed that we added to the property after we moved here. We intentionally oriented that shed so that it does have south-facing windows, but we're still working on the finishing of the inside of that shed. So things like the insulation and whatnot. And so right now I'm worried about temperature control because we're definitely going to still have some colder nights here through February and March for sure that we'll have to contend with. Now my dilemma is do I try to get the shed insulated in time over the next week, week and a half here so that I can start seeds in there or should I be spending that time to set up a different area elsewhere at least for this initial growing season to get the seeds started? I'm sure I'll have more to say about this next episode. Hopefully I will have come up with a solution at that point, And we'll have great news about seeds that have been started and are hopefully sprouting at that point. Next topic I want to talk about today is the importance of community. And I know in my intro episode, I talked about how growing up, I really didn't believe in the idea of community. I was definitely a loner. But thankfully, that has changed, and I have definitely come to embrace the benefits of having a great strong community around you that you can rely on in times of need and vice versa. I think as homesteaders, it's easy to feel geographically isolated from people, but luckily we live in this great age of technology, and there's so much out there going on in terms of social media giving us ways to connect with one another. And if you are a homesteader also, I would just really encourage you to take advantage of that. Today I wanted to talk about two examples of community building that I've experienced in the last couple of months that specifically relate to seed starting for my farm and garden. The first opportunity came to me through a local homesteading group that I found on Facebook for my geographical area. And one of the moderators there regularly organizes group seed buys that actually get you a huge discount for about 50% of the regular seed price so all of the seeds for my vegetable garden this year I got at 50% off, which is a really great way to start since money is definitely a little tight and finances are a thing I tend to worry about. This same group has also done group buys for things like bulk vanilla beans, which are incredibly expensive if you're just buying one or two here and there from a grocery store. But by doing this, they did this huge bulk order, and it saved everyone so much money. And so now I have these vanilla beans for using when I'm brewing kombucha, or just making my own vanilla extract as you know presents and for my own use and things like that. So that was really incredibly useful. So really, if you're homesteading, I would just encourage you look on Facebook, look on Instagram, whatever social media that you do use, and see what community is out there and available to you. Even if you don't participate in it a ton, it can give you opportunities like this that can be really beneficial. The other community opportunity I wanted to bring up today that I've taken advantage of over the past couple of months is actually through our local library system. They have started a great seed exchange at a lot of their different branch locations where next to their self-checkout machine, they have these cute you know, old-timey card catalogs that aren't really being used anymore. And instead of being used as a card catalog, they're using them to hold different packets of seeds. And they're free. If you just have a library card, you can check out pretty much as many as you want. I've never been told that there's a limit. And they're offering vegetable, flower, and herb seeds broken up into packs. These come from other library patrons that are donating the seeds back to the seed exchange. The motto is take seeds, grow plants, return seeds and the library system is also doing a ton of workshops and classes on different aspects of gardening from you know building soil starting your seedlings kids classes cooking i just looked at the website for the library event list right now and they have 28 different events listed just for the next 3 months alone so really cool things that they're doing here in the community trying to get more people to grow their own food and also to engage in seed saving which i think is so vital and important and i'm really glad to see that being taught and demonstrated programs like this get me really excited about the future especially seeing the number of classes and workshops specifically geared towards you know kids and teens all right jumping in for our main topic today i want to talk a little bit about the process of finding your homestead And before I start on this topic, I'll just say I completely jinxed myself by talking a few minutes ago about the lack of rain that we've seen because now we're under a flash flood warning and we're having thunderstorms. So I'm going to do my best to edit out any thunder in the recording, but please forgive me if any gets left in. Okay. So when we started to look for our homestead, the very first thing we did was to find a realtor. We were really fortunate in this in that we had a friend who was our realtor for us and he did a fantastic job. The biggest thing I can suggest is to find someone that has similar values to you. If you're just looking for a house in suburbia in the city where you are, most realtors are going to be pretty similar and as long as they do a good job, you're probably going to be pretty happy with, you know, what they're bringing to the table. For us in looking for a homestead though, In looking for a homestead, though, and knowing that we wanted to find some significant amount of acreage to purchase, I didn't want a realtor who was coming out in a car that couldn't handle the terrain or showing up in a three-piece suit to try to show us around a farmhouse. It just wasn't going to work. So we were really fortunate in that the friend who was our realtor had similar values to us and didn't mind, you know, trekking all over not only the county that we currently live in, but every other county surrounding and touching it because that was the extent of our search for the perfect piece of property. Um, One place we looked at was actually an hour and a half south of here. Completely off the grid was an amazing piece of property and just unfortunately wasn't going to work out for just one or two reasons. But our realtor was completely game to drive out there, you know, three hours round trip and look at it with us and was just as fascinated by it as we were because it was perfect and beautiful and just a really, really unique property. So we really lucked out on the realtor front. The other thing I'd suggest you do before you start looking for a piece of property is make a really detailed list of what exactly you're looking for in your dream piece of property. And when I say really detailed, I mean incredibly detailed, be as specific as you want to be, and then set that up as basically a grid so that you can use that to evaluate the pieces of property that you look at. And check off, you know, how many of those items each piece of property actually has. That may sound like overkill, but you're probably not going to buy the first house or piece of property that you look at. And as you look at more and more, they're going to start to blend together in your head, and it's going to be easy to find yourself wondering uh, which one had the pantry, which one had the sunroom, which one had the pond on the property. They're all going to kind of just merge together. So figuring out a way to evaluate each piece of property against one another is going to be really important. And this is probably just some nerdery leftover from my days as a school teacher and having grading rubrics, but I found it to be really useful for us. So I spent a pretty good chunk of time going over my mental wish list of what I really wanted to find in our dream homestead for us. I thought back to other places that I had lived or places I had visited, and the small features in each of those individual homes that I thought I would really like to put together into one big home for us. And I can't lie, after we had a few batches of showings where we just didn't really find anything that seemed great for us, I went back to that list, did a lot of visualization and intention setting with it, lit a few candles. You know, I was to the point where the market around here was so competitive looking for property that I was willing to take any advantage I could get. and and just put that out there kind of into the universe of, hey, I am really ready to find the right piece of property for us. Here's what I'm looking for. Someone out there, help me out. I won't bore you with the entire list of everything that we were looking for, but here are a few of the key highlights that were super important to me. I wanted a minimum of eight acres. Realistically, we probably could have gotten by with five, but hey, it's a dream list, so I set my minimum a bit higher. I also really wanted wood floors, a big bathtub. I am 6'2", so literally every place I've ever lived has had a tub that was too small for me. So that was a huge dream item that has been on my wish list for decades now. I also wanted a water source on the property. I wanted privacy from neighbors. A mix of field as well as woods in terms of growing space. We had a price point that we were looking for specifically to stay under for our budget. I really wanted a fireplace and or a wood stove a sunroom, a pantry, and some sort of porch or deck. My full list had almost 20 items on it. And so I thought I had really covered my bases here in terms of needing to be specific and really thinking about what I needed from a piece of property. And so I thought everything would be fine. <laughs> and so we started looking at more, uh, more houses and more pieces of property with our great realtor friend. And then we found one that we absolutely fell in love with Uh, the one I mentioned earlier that did not work out for us. And as I learned, sometimes it's not about what's on your list, it's about what you forgot to put on your list. And that big item for us that ended up being a huge deal breaker for this perfect piece of property was internet access. This property was an hour and a half south of a major city, and it was incredibly remote. And there was no way for us to get sufficient internet access for us to be able to do what we needed to do. Satellite internet is obviously an option pretty much everywhere, I think, now but it's not very fast and it has latency issues that make it really problematic if you're trying to do things like conferencing and things like that, where you're needing to talk with no lag between people for work, which is something that would have been necessary for my partner to keep doing his work. So unfortunately we weren't able to get this property and we were so heartbroken about it because we tried everything we could think of. We even researched, you know, what would it cost to run internet out to this place? What if we put some sort of tower up on one of the hilltops? to, um, you know, boost signal and things like that. We got pretty ridiculous with it because we were so desperate to figure out a way to make this property work. And it just wasn't going to happen. We had to keep going with our search. But we did eventually find the right place for us. And we're very happy with it. The property we ended up going with actually had almost everything on my list. And the few things that it didn't have, we are actively in the process of Uh, either adding on or have already added on so things like the fireplace or the wood stove we're going to be installing a wood stove here soon we have a deck that's been added on we're working on finishing out a sunroom the one thing we don't have is the pantry that was on my list but I'm looking at creative storage solutions and uh, figuring out a way to make that work for us without doing it but everything else on the list it had and it's perfect and it's a bit smaller but it's really really great for us. So to recap, if you're looking for a homestead of your own, make sure you find a really great realtor whose values and interests align with yours so that they won't mind traipsing around looking at a bunch of different places in the middle of nowhere with you. And also get really specific about what it is you're looking for and hold out for something that really, really ticks a lot of the check boxes for you. It'll be a long process, but it will definitely be worth it. For our next regular section on the podcast... I want to take time just to highlight a favorite herbal recipe or remedy that I'm trying out for myself and really enjoying. Right now, just because it's cold all the time and I also just love tea no matter the weather, I'm enjoying a lot of herbal tea. My favorite combination currently is goldenrod and nettles along with just a little bit of hibiscus. Hibiscus gives it a little bit of a sour flavor as well as a great vibrant color goldenrod and nettles are just a perfect combination. Nettles especially are so nourishing and have so many great minerals to them. I'll sometimes drink herbal infusions of just nettles by themselves, but it's always fun to add things as well. And so I think goldenrod complements nettles really nicely. I'll drink this infusion either hot or cold. Sometimes I'll make up a big quart-sized mason jar overnight, let it steep until the morning, and then strain it and then take it along with me to work or wherever I'm going for the day and just drink it all throughout the day. It's delicious. If you try it, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. I also want to talk about and promote really interesting events as I come across them. The first one coming up is coming in March. It'll be from March 8th to March 10th. And it's in North Carolina near Asheville. It's about 20 minutes north at Mars Hill University. It's the Organic Grower School. Um, This is their spring conference that they do. I went to this last year. It was a fantastic event. It was so informative. They have tracks on both Saturday and Sunday. You'll get about four different um, mini classes or workshops per day. And the great thing is that they repeat almost all of the classes, both Saturday and Sunday, so that if you're looking at the schedule and you're looking at a specific time slot and you see that there are two different classes that you really, really want to take, guess what? You can. You can take one on Saturday and one the following day which is awesome. I'm actually going to be going out a little bit earlier this year because on Friday, they do full day workshops at a few different locations. I'm going to be doing one on year round growing with Pam Dawling and Ira Wallace, which I'm pretty excited about. I love this conference. It's pretty inexpensive. It's very well run. It's super well organized. I was so impressed last year when I went to it being my first time there. It was a great experience and I'm really excited to go back this year. It's great to see that they have such a wide variety of classes. I'm not seeing really, you know, repeats of things from last year. I feel like there are are tons of new things that I didn't see on the schedule last year that I'm excited to look at. They have different tracks for classes ranging from earth skills, beginning or experienced farming, herbs, homesteading, mushrooms, permaculture, pollinators, soils, um, sustainable forestry, sustainable living. It's just so many different Uh, different classes and different topics. And it's just a great atmosphere. And again, it was super well organized. If you want to check that out and look into registering, like I said, it's a pretty accessible um, event. You can check them out at organicgrowerschool.org. And I'll also put a link to this in the show description. Our last section before I wrap up here for the day is I want to leave you each episode with something that's inspiring me, And for this first episode, I want to talk about an amazing book I just read. It was the first book I read um, for 2019. And it's definitely the best book I've read so far this year. And I know it's February, but I don't think that's going to change by the end of the year. I think it'll definitely be one of the top books that I've read. I'm still thinking about it weeks later. And this book was The Overstory by Richard Powers. It was shortlisted for the 2018 Booker Prize and it tells the tale of nine very different people whose lives are profoundly impacted by trees, and then their lives begin to intertwine in these increasingly complex and interesting ways as they work to grapple with the destruction of our old-growth forests. It was an absolutely amazing read. The writing is incredible, and the book moved me to tears uh, several times. I kind of don't have words for how amazingly well-written this book was and, and just how compelling it was. I will warn you that it's a bit of a long read coming in at around 500 pages, but there is an audiobook out there if that's your thing, and it's definitely worth it. Again, I can't recommend it highly enough. No spoilers or anything, but I do want to read just two short quotes from the book that really moved me. No one sees trees. We see fruit. We see nuts. We see wood. We see shade. We see ornaments or pretty fall foliage obstacles blocking the road or wrecking the ski slope, dark, threatening places that must be cleared. We see branches about to crush our roof. We see a cash crop, but trees, trees are invisible. And this last quote has really resonated with me. What you make from a tree should be at least as miraculous as what you cut down that's been in my head for weeks, and I just keep going back to it and and thinking about it. All right, that's it for this episode, though. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any comments or questions, or if there are any topics that you would like to see me cover in future episodes. You can reach me by email at foxandelder at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram under the same handle, foxandelder, all one word. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.